Let's start with some tough love, all right? You two suck. Say my name. That's what the kids call Prissy guy with the mustache. You're listening to Inside the Gillivers, talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. Brought to you by the Royal Bobbles Collection at bobbleheads.com. For all your favorite characters from the Gillivers, shop the Royal Bobbles Collection at bobbleheads.com. Also brought to you by Rode Microphones, the official microphone supplier of Inside the Gillivers. See their entire lineup today at rode.com. Now, please welcome your host, Eric Broadbent. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for Season 3, Episode 11 of Inside Gilver is talking all things Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. My name is Eric Broadbent, and it comes with extreme pleasure to welcome back two fan-favorite returning guests, Julianne Emery and Jeremy Shamos, a.k.a. Betsy and Craig Kellerman. And I'm not just talking about them. I do have them here. Yes, I do. I'm going to bring them on the screen right now. Let's jump over to them, Julianne and Jeremy. Welcome back, my friends. How are you? Hello. Hello. Very, very good. How are you? <laughs> Fantastic. It's good to see you guys. We were just talking off the air how it just seems like it's been forever and it feels like forever and, and not so much as well too. We're right in the middle of uh, all the craziness that we uh, we all know about and we're slowly, slowly getting back to normal. How's things in both of your lives right now? Is it feeling a little bit more, a little bit more normal? I Julianne? mean... COVID regulations are still really tight on set, so it doesn't feel all that different to me when I'm. I mean, you're working right now, Jeremy. Too, you. Yeah. It's, it doesn't feel crazy different. Like it still takes the same amount of things to shut down a set, and it's still uh, the protocols are still similar. The testing shifted a little bit, but it does not in our work world. It does not feel like everything has opened up, which is, you know. Well, better safe than sorry, Probably but how not about, a bad thing. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Right. How yeah. about so outside of work? Is it are you, are you guys each independently like and taking in and the family's taking in some events? Are you doing any kind of vacationing a little bit of that kind of normalcy or no? Uh, we we went on a little vacation and um, yeah, we've flown on planes and um, we take the subway and we're out and about. Or yeah, boot boot. we're out in the boot, in the boot. In boot, as we say up here in Canada. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Julianne said, I think at work. I mean, I get tested almost every day, so it's like feels like the height of uh, the height of the pandemic, and people still get it. So it's you know still it's still happening, but it's definitely not as scary as it was when it was first here. In New York. I was just going to say that I'm not scared anymore that, that, you know, my loved ones are going to die if they get it. I'm not. Yeah. So maybe we're like slowly transitioning out, but like actors getting COVID shuts down a set. So it's, there's, there's a responsibility level there. Yeah. When you're the person on set who takes your mask off in front of everybody to, uh, uh, I don't know, behave a little differently when you're working than maybe when you're not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get it. No, I get it. It's better yeah. safe than sorry for sure. It is. It's. It's. I get what you're saying, Julianne, as well too. It's just not as fearful. Like, trust me, I'm still very, very uh, uh, fearful of. Well, I'm not fearful. I'm very cautious. You know, I'm doing a lot of masks here and there, stuff like that as well too. Especially in large, large events. But it's feeling good, you know. So we'll we'll jump away from that segment and we'll talk about some uh, more happy things. Um, I'm. I've, I like a lot of people are very happy to have seen you guys uh, making your appearance back in this final season and pretty much quick off. The hop as well too and i'd like to know uh, we'll start with either whoever wants to feel this one first but what was it like uh finding out that the kellermans would be making the return and uh you know when, when did you find out about that and what did it feel like getting the news that you'd be uh, re- reprising those roles we, we found out the last time we were getting preparing to do your show 
Really? We, well, because we had to be in character. Yeah. And uh, so uh, t- Tom reached out way on the down low, like super duper on the down low, because there were because we were improvising the whole time. So there were there were areas that would have been bad had we tre- tread into them. So we we had a little uh, a little preparation, but that's 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 when we first heard the little inkling that we might be coming back. Yeah, a little heads up. Wow. So, yeah. what, Jeremy, what were your thoughts when you kind of heard about that? Were you kind of like, yes, <laughs> you know? Well, for sure. I mean, uh, I mean, Julianne's been in good, really nice touch with the writers and with the whole team, and always kind of keeping me a little bit in the loop about the fact that they always say that they want to have the Kettleman's back, and and that they're you know characters that they love, and they're trying to you know, but they have you know, the Gillivers, they have so much integrity that they don't just like do stuff without really thinking, thinking it through. So we sort of knew that there was a possibility, but that it would have to be kind of, you know, threading a needle um, with the timeline and somehow making it so that it was a real thing and not just sort of a random paste in. Yeah, they wanted Um, to make sense with Saul's story. And then they also really wanted Mr. Kettleman to be out of jail. Were the yes. two were the two biggies, yeah, for sure. So we, so we, I think we we knew that it was a possibility, and then when Tom said that, uh, you know, we we knew it was more of a possibility. But even then, I think we were sort of like, you know, you never know with this with this stuff. So yeah. when we found out that it was really happening, it was really exciting. We texted each other, and you know, it's great to be the Kettlemans. Yeah. Any chance we get? <laughs> yes. Well, I agree too. Having the two of you together, I suppose, at Craig and Jail, you know, is great. The dynamic, because you have to be in the same scenes together, the same room to have that, you know, that fire and ice or whatever the case may be, however you want to describe it. It just Who's works. Who's the fire? Who's the ice? You're the fire, honey. Oh, I, know it. I feel it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, I got to be honest with you, I have a very hard time. I, uh, I I've said this in interviews a couple of times before, like, Usually, like the pocket for our characters, like this wide. The pocket for Betsy is about this wide. Yeah, and uh, and I have a very hard time locating her until I am with Jeremy. I I don't know, I don't I don't know what I would have done had had we tried had they tried to do anything with Betsy Sans Craig, like with him in jail. So I it's it's it was always very difficult for me without until the two of us were together, sort of with that nonverbal communication going on and the behavior and stuff. Well, I think yeah. it's a lot like your partners in real life. I mean, you kind of feel that loss when you're not with them, right? It's just like something yeah. feels what's, what's wrong here today. Oh, I'm, I'm away from my partner. Right. And that, that, cause this is your on-screen partner who you spend a lot of time with and yeah. it's just not, it's a, it's a weird thing to describe. You just know it when you know it. Yeah. I mean, also, uh, you know, Mrs. Kettleman is bossy be- because she's bossy, she bosses him around and he's like subservient because he listens to her. So in other contexts, they might not be as much that way, you know? So the yeah, who is, that we who are they love. minus each other is the question, right? Yeah. We, we never well, Craig, had to Craig's not out. allowed to go out without her. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to the... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> not into the grocery um, store. Not into the grocery store. <laughs> not even to the grocery store. Yeah, they're they're very uh, codependent as a couple. They're almost one. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They move yeah. through the world as one. Codependent is a perfect way to describe it for sure. That that's a great analogy. <clears throat> We've got good questions coming in already from our super chat and our our live wow. uh, audience here as well too. So here is a question from our member Guy Incognito. Uh, he says, hi, Team Kettleman's. What Kettleman quirks and qualities did you work out beforehand, and what did you discover while shooting? And you, either one can take that question first. Jeremy, do you want to? Well, I think both. I think the writing itself had a lot of the, um, you know, the teamwork and sort of the the high level of denial. Um, uh, but I think like we were just saying, I think we, we found a lot of um, a lot more of uh, the dynamic when we were doing it. I mean, one thing is that we were allowed to overlap. And I think that, so that kind of overlapping and finishing, finishing each other's sentences sort of happened spontaneously and, and Vince encouraged it. And, uh, and then just like the clothes, the glasses, the, circumstance i don't know we just it it all kind of came i don't know what do you think julie we did i mean i think it helped a lot that we rehearsed ahead of time you know we we were talking a lot about the original creation of this on um the insider podcast for the american greed segment and um i think the fact that you know bob likes to rehearse he's always organizing rehearsals for scenes Jeremy and I would get together and, and talk through who the characters were because there wasn't we didn't even know if they were actually guilty or not when we started shooting episode one. We, we had to ask that question. So there, there was a lot. There was so much unknown there. Um, and believe it or not, the, the Kettlemans are such out there specific characters. But we did find a lot of um, we found a, a, a lot of inspiration in real people. Like if you put something up on YouTube, some actor's going to use it, man. I mean, it's it's uh, uh, we we did send each other sort of examples of what, what we thought we were talking about. We also um, I didn't think I was right for Betsy when I was cast when I auditioned. I was shocked, and I didn't. We didn't really quite know what they wanted from them, and I don't think they had fully explored who the Kettlemans were, except their function in being. Uh, uh, um, a foil between Howard Hamlin and, and Jimmy. Right. So, um, we, Jeremy and I both, uh, we, we had both self taped from New York and we sat down and watched our, our tapes together, uh, which I've never done with another actor. Um, it was really scary. Um, but I think that helped a lot because we saw sort of where we, in a Midwesterny, I guess, Flanders kind of way of ultimately kind of lined up together. Yeah. 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 Okay. I don't know. It was the most collaborative uh, creation of a character I've had in a long, long time since since I did theater. Like, And that I, I would include um, Peter, who wrote the first episode uh, of The Kettleman's, and also Vince in that, because he directed that very first episode in season one. Um, I, I don't, especially on television, it's just television shoots so fast, and there's so much to get through in a day. But we really did... Um, explore them and sort of try to work out who they were even while we were shooting. And that was, that was really extraordinary to me. I, th- I feel like it was a, a full on team effort 
Um, and we and we did bring a lot. We we did decide a lot in our little rehearsals together. We did bring a lot of that behavior together. The finishing each other's sentences and jumping in on things, I think, was a big, big key for us. I think you're right, Jeremy. And the the the, the idea that we had rehearsed what we were going to say in the car was a big key as well. No. Yeah, that we had practiced. You know. Well, and then I like- that that evolves. They learn new words. Like in in season six, we've learned some legal words now, and we oh. like to throw those around very deliberately. You know, yeah. <laughs> discovery, discovery. Yeah, right. I love when you said discovery. That's yeah. right. That's right. And there's so much pride. Yeah. You had so much pride when you said that as well. Too, the character said it. You know what I mean? It's like discovery, and you know. But the the finishing each other's <laughs> sentences. I remember when you both came on. It was so fun when you actually came on in character. And I I have to apologize to our viewers at the time because I had an internet hiccup that day. So we had great audio, but we had a lot of freezing video. But it's one of those things that you guys probably saw me because you can see a different camera angle. What with the audience is seeing right now, I was kind of like. Oh, no, you know, I was panicking because you guys were freezing. I was like, it's a live show. I can't do anything about it. Just go through it. And everything yeah. was good. But the, what I'm trying to get to is the fact that you guys had planned that. And apparently now you'd heard from Tom around that same time as well, too, that you'd be in season six. But it was such such a great thing. It was like, I think we did a full hour and you were in character the whole time and yeah. didn't, didn't miss a beat. And it was just fantastic. And one of the things I loved about, and I've talked about this on multiple shows since you've been on, is how it was in the time of COVID. And, you know, you're, you're separated by COVID. So uh, Craig is in the basement. You're upstairs. And you're like, hey, Craig, you know, and you're actually shouting downstairs. It was <laughs> It pulled off really well. We may have even overthought the situation, but we did work really hard on it. Actually, okay. well, and because we knew we might be coming back. Yeah, we had like areas that we couldn't, you know, move into for the improv, and we we did actually. I know it seems like when people improvise, they don't prep anything, but we did prepare a lot. I forgot that we did. That was that was a funny idea. Oh yeah, yeah. and and the, and top yeah. because you've got the beard growing back again now a little bit, and you know you were uh, Betsy was talking to Craig like you know I don't really like the the stubble on the face. It doesn't feel good on my face, you know, and, and that's jail. That's it, it's so funny. I shared it on Facebook earlier. <laughs> this in preparation for tonight's episode, it was really funny. You know, and that was other than in the uh, the pic- no picnic, which we'll talk about in a little bit tonight as well, too. But that's one of the first times that the world had seen the Kellermans post Better Call Saul, you know, so yeah, that, it was in a, a while. Yeah. And didn't time. you name didn't you name your 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 guy that you were sharing a cell with ox shit or something? Like, didn't you curse? <laughs> didn't right. it happen? Wasn't that on this curse. show? Wasn't yes. that on this show? It was. I, I no, think so. Like, My jailmate. Yeah. My roommate. Jail. Yeah. I couldn't believe oh, I was shit. like, did that just happen? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was not prepared. <laughs> and, and how do you not lose it too, right? When you get like that, that takes some training too, just to not lose your composure, you know? I'm like, Julie's brain is going, did he just call him auction? And Betsy's going, honey, we shouldn't curse. Like, I mean, it was just like. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to watch that again. That was so funny, Jeremy. And the and the killer verse with a with a K. No, no, it's a G, like Gilligan's Island. Remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good, and it was all coming down to something nefarious. So you guys were going to research that to make sure it was okay before you really did the live show. But we've got some more really fun uh, questions coming in, and I'm glad you mentioned American uh, Greed. And I haven't seen or heard the latest episode of uh, the Insider Podcast. I know you guys just did that, so I want to go listen to that one. Uh, I love what Chris is doing and the team over there. But um, this is similar. And this is from our moderator, Jen Stevens. She says, uh, how was it to film the American Greed segment and what was involved? Um, Well, we were I mean, it was it was awesome because we thought we had said, you know, goodbye to the Kettleman's. 
Um, I mean, season six was completely finished shooting at that point. Um, and uh, it was great, except we shot it fully with the American Greek crew and directors. Uh, Valerie Chu uh, from the Better Call Saul uh uh, writer's room wrote the script but otherwise we were just with the american greed people and our episode had not come out yet so we kept like going in the corner and like being like we can't say this and we can't say that like because it was a little complicated and there were there are easter eggs if you haven't seen that american greed episode um the sweet liberty tax services mugs are in it there, i mean there are things that we're wearing wardrobe from that episode like there are things in it that if you've seen the episode you're like, oh yeah, that's that. But it came out prior to this to season six happening, so it it was a little it was a little tricky, a little trickyville, right, honey? Yeah, yeah. It was, but it was really fun because it was the American greed people. They you know make American greed, so they're used to making documentaries and interviewing real people. And um, Valerie had written a script, so we we had memorized lines, uh, but we were in a situation and the, the way, the way that they film it and everything was, was um, as if we were real people. So it was, it was fun for us because, you know, we like doing that and, you know, like coming on this show and improvising. And, and so this was like sort of up our, up our alley and, um, you know, and Vince and Peter, they trusted the American greed people to just make an episode of American greed. And so, we were with their crew. We were shooting the way that they shoot. And it was really, it was really fun. I mean, it was a short afternoon and, you know, it was too short because it was just, it was fun so to fun. doing it. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you, you amazing what it. they did. I think, I think yeah. it's incredible what they made. I agree. And there's um, a lot of interest, especially in the last half of that uh, bonus episode of the insider podcast. There's a lot of talk about the making of it and, where they went to film people and the lengths that they went to and what the, the things that they came up with that weren't necessarily in the script were really incredible. They, it was yeah, all the visual they, things that they did and all the, yeah. Yeah. They were very the drawings and it. yeah, they did. A and great Vince job. is a massive American greed fan. Like who knew? There you go. And on the one hand, who knew? But then when when we got approached about doing it, I was like, oh, I should watch. I started you know, going down a rabbit hole watching a bunch of episodes of it. And I was like, of course, Vince is a big fan of American Greed. Yeah, you could probably but, see yeah. it after you saw a few episodes. Yeah. 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 You know, something I, I must say, like for people that want to get into interviewing people, I, I mean, I, I really enjoy doing this. I get to talk to wonderful people like you guys. Um, but there's one of the toughest challenges I found um, doing what I do just with this small YouTube channel is interviewing characters. I've only done this three times. So with you guys as a couple, as a couple of Betsy and Craig, I've done it with Derek Smalls from Spinal Tap, Harry Shearer, you know, obviously uh-huh. Michael McGeehan, uh, uh, McGeehan um, alumni. And um, another lady that went by... Um, um, Oh, I forget her name now, but she's um, Mrs. Smith, the cat lady. It's, it's a man who dresses up as a woman and a phenomenal guitar player dresses up as a woman. And in the first cu- couple times I was interviewing guests that were in character, I didn't know they were going to be in character. So I had written questions for the person and then mm. you got to re- you got to flip yeah. your script. And yeah. even with you guys, there are so many times I was like, I almost broke that. And you guys didn't break character at all. So I was like, I was going to ask Julia a question or Jeremy a question. I was like, no, no, they, they're not here. They don't exist. Right. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. I mean, you just did, literally described acting like, like, I, <laughs> yeah. like you just, just you, you, except we have, we, we have a script. I mean, Jeremy and I, the whole like Kettleman improv thing started because 
because the Kettleman's are such, it's so hard to find the pocket for them. Like in anything outside of the pocket is just bad actorville. And, um, we would, you know, behavior or improv our way into and then out of scenes and um, or in, even in between things. And uh, that it, it was originally just a tool for us to help sort of locate ourselves and find, I don't know, where we sort of needed to be. Um, but in that first episode, I feel like Vince also encouraged us to keep doing it. And, they, you know, yeah. um, I don't remember if it was the first episode maybe it's not, but like, like um, Jimmy walks away from us and goes to the bathroom and we talk, I guess it's when he yeah, says he's into elder seven. law. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's just sort of like, you guys can just talk about whatever. And, you know, well, they know that, I mean, they always have editing power and I would say 99% of what winds up on screen uh, uh, on better call Saul is very rightly f- straight from the writer's room, but 100%, yeah, every no, now yeah. and then we have little nuggets that sneak through that. Yeah. That but are, like you uh, said, it also just, it just, it just keeps it, it keeps everything going for, for us. And yeah. 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 I just thought it, it was, it, it was a nice tool, especially early on when it was so hard to sort of find where they were going to live. And then yeah. when we did the, and then we did the commentary for the DVD Yes, we did. We did a full, if you, for the Blu-ray, I think it might be up on YouTube now. I think someone's ripped it and put it on YouTube now. Oh, really? But, um, yeah, but we did a full, we got a phone call after season one was up one day asking if we wanted to do commentary for episode seven, which is our biggest episode in season one, in character as the Kettlemans. And, um that was that was the only that was the only edict. Like I was like, well, what are the rules? Is it after? Is he in jail? What's happened? They're like, I don't know. Whatever you think. Like I, I mean, it was it was unclear whether we were watching ourselves or watching a TV show or <laughs> yeah, it was very unclear. So we but just we just kind of made it up. Yeah, we did get together for that too. We I went to see Jeremy in a play at Playwrights Horizons in New York, and we went to a diner, and I put the episode on my iPad, and we each had an earbud in, and I'm like. We should at least figure out if we have anything to say here. No. Um, it was that was the night before we did it, and uh, and then we sat down in a sound studio in New York and improvised for forty five minutes straight while we watched ourselves and others. While we watched Mike break into our house, and right. I didn't even. It was like a fever dream. I didn't even remember most yeah. of what we said. Yeah, I, I had no. I've never listened to it, but I now I'm going to. You should. It, I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's up on YouTube. I will bet. Yeah, yeah. Everything tends, yeah, yeah, yeah. tends to find its way up. Somebody, there. somebody, tag Jeremy on Twitter and send the link on YouTube. That'd be great. Do that. Yeah. And I mean, thinking about that for one of the one of the first episodes there as well too. You're seeing, uh, you know, Nacho break into your uh, into your home, and it's no, probably, it was Mike. Well, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well I mean, Mike. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I know, but Nacho was going to it scouting was, it out, whatever. And, and right, Nacho was oh, the one right, watching yeah. us in the van. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, yeah casing yeah, the place. Yeah. But I guess what my point was going there was the fact that it's uh, kind of surreal now to see where we are and see uh, we'll talk about possibly some other deaths here in the evening um, but it was sad to see his character go it was but he was so well done Michael just delivered such beautiful. a gorgeous performance and it was so beautifully directed and I it, and it, it shocked me like I it I think I had before I saw it I had read something online because I didn't see it that night mm-hmm. and um so I even kind of kind of knew it was happening and I still was like oh! like I audibly, you know, g- 
gasped and shrank into my sofa. Yeah. How about you, Jeremy? Did it kind of hit you in a similar way? Oh, yeah. I mean, I love that character and I love this performance. And I loved, I don't know, just that, that last episode was totally beautiful. And the way they handled that at the end was so, yeah. Was like, yeah. Michael is, has a really, has a, a great gift for uh, nonverbal. Like he, I keep remembering um, in that his, I think it was his first episode in ever in, in season one when he's like, all shackled in the interview room with Jimmy and he like, they have this conversation and then suddenly he's like, you know, and the, the chains make a big sound and he, he's so good at, uh, he's so good at uh, inner monologue at the thought at you understanding what's going on in his head um, without, with zero amounts of dialogue. And they really played into that on those, uh, on all three of those first episodes of season six. For sure. Utilize that just, well, yeah. Just like Lewis and Danny, who were on the show last week with Tom, uh, the Mankatas, you know, that I mean, they, they barely speak five lines in the entire yeah. Gilliverse, yeah. and yet it's so powerful. So sometimes the non spoken word can be very, very powerful, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just the mannerisms and whatnot. So, well, and Better Call Saul utilizes visuals incredibly well to and, begin with. Yeah. So if an actor can kind of meet that, with some nonverbal communication, it's just, just becomes super powerful and effective. Yeah. And the music too, yeah. complimenting what you're feeling. I mean, it, it makes you feel yeah. a certain way and that can affect you in different ways, but it does make you feel something, you know, good, bad or anywhere in yeah. between. Yeah, for sure. Here's a good question. A uh, really good question from one of our members. The veil is asking, what do you guys think the Kettleman situation is in the gene timeline of better call Saul? That's a very good Ooh. question. Very good question. Would you like to take that, Jeremy? I don't. Uh, wow, that's a very good question. I'm sure that they have some kind of business. Yeah, I'm positive Kim did not fully shut them down. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they or moved. If Maybe they, they shut they that down, then they did it somewhere else. Or Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I think that seemed to be a decent business, and I'm trained for it. And we have a great front of house person. So I think like, uh, I think that's a good business model. Um, and maybe we, maybe we moved. I mean, I imagine, I could imagine us just continuing to. I could imagine us moving and changing our names because sure. of that, na- that ugly business because of, you know, all of the, we would never get rid of those nefarious pe- that awful woman with the pon- ponytail, all of right. those horrible people. We couldn't <laughs> yes. get rid of them. So I could imagine us moving and changing our names. Yeah. Maybe we moved where, yeah. where our kids are when we have grandkids by then. Okay. We kind of made up a thing before your show last time about the kids hating us. <laughs> like the kids grew up. Oh yeah. The kids hate us. <laughs> what do they do that when they, they depatronize or where a parent, what, what's a word when you, you, I forget the word. Uh, there's a word. Oh, right. When you divorce your parents, yeah. when you go to, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, forget I don't know. Yeah. But you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. You they, like legally, legally disconnect yourself from your parents. I yeah. can see that happening. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. And I, I could, two things I'll say. One, cause it is, I just, I almost set my mind when you said nefarious, I don't think there's a person on this planet that says nefarious the way you do. I think that's phenomenal the way you say it. 
Um, it's just funny in context. That's a Betsy thing. Yes, for sure. And number two, I could almost see you guys, when I say you guys, Betsy and Craig, owning a franchise of tax firm. I think you'd be the, <laughs> nice. the next I big. Do. Dream big, man. Yeah. Betsy Eric, is not too, dreaming yeah. big, right? I don't know if we think, I don't know if we think that big or we plan that big. I mean, well, honey, yeah, yeah, maybe not Mr. Does. I think she does for sure. Yeah. You know? I can pull it off. Imagine. I like that. <laughs> franchise is good. Imagine if you had the Saul Goodman productions of early, early Better Call Saul, and he's actually, before you guys even really necessarily met, have Saul Goodman produce the commercials for the franchise of whatever right. it may be, right? Liberty Tax you know, or whatever. Peter asked me once, you know, years ago, I, I don't know, maybe they were into season three or season four writing, and he was like, well, what would you, what do you think they're doing? What would you, how would you bring them back? And I, I always said, I was like, I think they should be money launderers. You know, like... Like Walt had, you, you know, when they when they when they got the car wash, they did a thing where they went to a laser tag business where yes. Saul is like, look, if you want to launder money, you have to. It takes a lot of work because 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 right. I think Walt Balt, he's like, why do they get so much of my money for laundering my money? He's like, because they're running an actual business and cooking the books. And I right. can totally- at, the, at the at the laser tag, there was a guy I forgot his name, but he's like. The car wash doesn't have the whatever the guy's name is. Someone probably knows. Wayne like was it Wayne? It was something I don't know. Wayne. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah, something could, like that. Like yeah. we could be that for some. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And then you know, get murdered over it. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. yeah. I imagine because I imagine we couldn't possibly do it without skimming off the top. Right. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we can't launder without skimming. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. love it. Here's a good question from Courtney's review. She has a great YouTube channel. This is for both of you. It says, love your characters. I'm curious to hear about your inspirations and references for your characters, if any. So you kind of alluded to that a little bit. You're kind of re- kind of finding some different people and working it into the the stew. And uh, we'll start with you, Julianne, uh, who, who you like, maybe you. Look I don't to. know. You know, uh, because they're real people. I don't. I mean, okay. I'll say this: there were some things going on at the time. Now we're seeing a lot of unfortunately, Kettleman-type people walking around sort of out and proud, right? Like putting videos up on the internet and all kinds of crap. But um, at the time, the governor of Virginia, I think he, he, it was either Virginia or West Virginia, he and his wife were getting indicted for like, I don't know, half a million dollars in kickbacks. Uh, And they swore they were innocent. And there was a scandal in LA called the Bell County Scandal, um, and there were a ton of NPR interviews up this this entire city council uh, while the police department, while every city uh, function, every city department went defunct. They were paying themselves a quarter of a million dollars a year just to sit on the city council and they got indicted. And even from jail, they swore they did nothing wrong. They couldn't see they couldn't see how it was either legally or morally wrong. And um, that was, I think, for me, really insightful and fascinating. Like people who really, really believe that they have done nothing wrong, even though they so, so clearly have. So there's a delusion there where I think there's two things. I think there are people who really believe they can speak their world. So if they say it's not true, then it's not true. And then there's also this deep, deep delusion that you can't admit to yourself you did something. Of course you did nothing wrong. Like you can't, you know, I mean, nobody thinks they're a bad guy, right? Like when you play bad, I've played several villains at this point. And when you play a villain, nobody thinks they're the villain, right? Um, 
even in James Bond, they always think they're saving the world or showing the world the way. Or even Anakin Skywalker think, believes in a dictatorship because he thinks that's the way for peace, right? There's, there's, it, nobody actually thinks they're bad. Um, there were some real people that I we've not ever shared that I hesitate to because no, they're real okay. people. I get it. There's no. some real people that I don't think I would share. I don't know, Jeremy. How do you feel about that? Like the documentary that we watched? Yes, yes. We've never outed that, ever. (laughs) It it was so good. It was such, and it was you that came up with it. You sent it to me. Yeah. But it was so perfect, but I've never outed that before. I don't know. It was more like, it was more like people's personality. They, they aren't criminals or anything like that. It was just, no, it was more their dynamic. Super nice. That super nice. Yeah, it was in the dynamic, the dynamic kind of like bumbling them. front man. Like it, it was the dynamic of what it was, yeah. and yeah. But you, you can if uh, I, I don't know. We've kept that. I don't. We've never even told Vince and Peter that. Wow. Well, we might be. We might possibly have an exclusive, or we may not. I <laughs> 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 might be off the air tomorrow. I don't know. It's not that they're like the Kettlemans. They're not crooks or anything. But there was. There was a key there for us that unlocked something very, very Mm. good, I think. Yeah. Oh, I'm interested. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny, though, is look at look at what Craig talking, you know, like we're talking to Jimmy and everything. It's like, um, well, Betsy's saying this, too. Like Craig did all this overtime and he did this and he didn't get any extra, you know, like and a lot of people. I mean, I've even been there. I think we've all been there in some ways, a little bit of that. Like, well, I work like four extra weeks. I didn't get paid. I'm taking this office chair or, you know, or whatever, you know. People steal right. office supplies. People, I mean, it, that's a very, look, the Kettleman's definitely blew that up, right? Like, they definitely went right past staplers. They, <laughs> they definitely bypassed all of that. But there's, especially, there's such a, I feel like, I mean, I, I we've also talked about Betsy was a Karen before we called anyone a Karen, right? Yep. Years before. Yep. And um, there's an entitlement factor where, where folks think if something is good for themselves or for their family, especially for the family, right? If Mm -hmm. I'm doing it for the family, it can't possibly be wrong. And it's, we're in a, we're in a kind of crazy moment that way. Like I oddly think the the Kettleman stumbled into being important a couple years down the road. Like it's, we should, it's an interesting, uh, I I don't know. We're in, we're in a, we're in a, we're in a freaky kind of crazy moment that way. Well, you know, when people, when, when, um, like, um, a minister of like a super church or something buys really fancy clothes and like, it ends up that their clothes budget is like, you know, $300,000 a year. And it's from the, it's from the church. It's like that person is never like, sorry, I, you know, they're more like, I'm, dem- I'm showing something, you know, I'm like helping people see that, you know, that you know, God makes me successful or whatever right. it is. There's a reason. Or, or they have a private so I, jet. There's a lot of those super right. who have a private jet. Right. Now. And that just helps yeah. them to get places faster to help people or whatever, whatever the reasoning is. But I think like, I think that's part of, you know, like, um, you know, I think Betsy wanted, wanted um, Craig to have, larger political uh a larger oh, honey, political she thought you were going to be governor yeah for sure no question well 
And I think Betsy inside my head thought that like, and I don't know if the Betsy inside the writer's head thought that, but you know, like when we pulled up to our house and I was like, Oh, we have a boat. Oh, we have a boat. Oh, well, yeah, we need a boat because those fancy people that you need to get all the money from, if you're going to run for mayor and then governor, you got to take them out on your boat. Like it just happened like, like that. Like we pulled up to our house the first time and there's a boat and then it just went that way in my head. Like, (laughs) I was like, Oh, well, yeah, of course we have a boat. Yeah. And a lovely, nice house with a swimming pool. And a, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And a modest yeah. station wagon. A modest yeah. station wagon. Yeah, because, you know, man of the people, right? Man of the people. Right. Yeah. The people. right. That's right. Care about my family. That's right. I'm going to, I'm going to jump a question here for a second about, and I'm going to come right back to it. It's a very good question from Blazy Gardner, one of our regulars. She's awesome and a friend. She has a great, oh, she has a great I'm question. I'm on Twitter. Yes, yeah, she's lovely. great. Yeah, she's great. That's um, one of the lovely folks on Twitter. Yes, there's, there's a handful yeah. and we love them for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's a good connection between Walking Dead and the Gilliverse, but I'm going to come right back to hers, but I'm going to go to our moderator, Eamon, just because we're on this sole topic of kind of stealing or embezzling or whatever. And this is a good question. He says, for both of you, uh, there's no way the Kettlemans didn't steal anything from Al- uh, sorry, there's no way the Kettlemans didn't steal anything from Albuquerque but what did you steal from the set and we've talked about this a few times just the other night <laughs> Tom of all people even Tom has had to steal Tom stole a pillow uh, from a, from a, an event sometime and and uh, Lewis and Danny got uh, they didn't get the boots but they got the they didn't steal they were given to them but they were given like the tips of the boots but we oh, all know cool. someone wants to hey oh, I'm nice. gonna I'm gonna sneak home this little prop have either of you um, brought something home uh with with or without permission <laughs> i uh we did have permission but um we have the uh i don't have it here we have this uh we each have a sweet liberty uh mug coffee mug yeah nice sweet liberty tax mug yes yes i don't to think, think i have anything else. from season one i don't think i have anything from season one at all i don't either yeah I mean, sets are incredible because the props people are so amazing and the set dressers are amazing and everything is like so detailed, but it almost, it's, it's a little scary to take stuff because you feel like they might need it. I don't know, you know, um, but uh, the question, what what would you steal Julianne if you could have stolen something? Mm. If I could have stolen something, what would I want? Oh, Jeremy, that's t- maybe a fox that, blouse. That, that, what about that, your fox blouse? That was cool. Bag. I really bag. want the duffel bag. I want that duffel bag. With the money would be great. I would yeah. take that duffel bag. <laughs> I, I want would, the money out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like those the sticker on the back of Betsy's car with the family and the camping. And actually, the first season, because Better Call Saul is all under wraps. So, like, our trailer said, like, Miami and New York or whatever. It wasn't um, – everything was very under wraps. And uh, the the boards that are in the transpo vans and in all of the uh, – the trucks that haul the trailers around, there are these uh, placards that you put on the dashboard, and that's how you know what show they're part of, or you know. And uh, the placards for season one were was the sticker from the back of the Kettleman's right. car with the tent and the hiking family. Um, and I have one of those actually, oh, that's but that's cool. not actually a prop. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, yeah. cool though. It's just very special, unique one-off. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's when I first got to Albuquerque, um, I took a cab. From I, I'm trying to remember if it, it might not have been a cab from the airport, but it might have been a cab from the hotel to where when I was meeting you and Bob and Ray for dinner. 
And you were in the cab with me. I think I was with you. I think we were together, right? Right. And they started talking about Breaking Bad, and we weren't allowed yeah, to yeah, that's we were in the show. Was, yeah. And they were like, you know, they filmed Breaking Bad around here. And then yeah. they offered to take us on. And then they were like, there's the car wash. We're yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Wow. And they're like, oh, we could go in a roundabout. They offered to take us on a sightseeing tour. Yeah. Of, uh, and, and Jeremy, yeah. they said, oh, well, what are you guys here for? What do you do? And what did you tell them? We were accountants or something? No. did you? T- what did you tell them? I don't remember. I had a good something. I know. A little did they so know we were going to meet Saul Goodman. You think I'm playing Betsy. You think I would lie so easily, but you lie. You, you just came up with it. And I was like, oh, that's good. You're like, we're here for a conference. You you chose like the most boring possible thing. <laughs> so you wouldn't Because we're both dying and we're on our way to meet Bob Odenkirk. Like we're, I yeah. mean, you, you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, it was, yeah. It would have been great if, if, if uh, Bob was waiting outside for us, but. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a phenomenal. Yeah, we're here for an Amway convention, and then there's Bob Odenkirk or and something. And you know? like, Saul's like, yeah. hey, guys. I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah. But Albuquerque folks are very proud that this show shoots there. They're very they're for very sure. proud of the of their Breaking Bad for sure. uh, and Better Call Saul. Uh, they're, they're, I think they're proud that it's set there. There's a lot that shoots in Albuquerque now, but not a lot of it is actually set in Albuquerque. It didn't uh, uh, the, I? I just started watching the final. Well, not the final, but is it is Stranger Things? Is, it, is season four? Is that gonna be the end of it? Do you know? I have no idea. But I think I think isn't some of it shot now in Albuquerque, if I'm not mistaken. I don't probably. Well, you know, oh, Netflix maybe, just bought Netflix. out that the studio there. They're building a huge studio. There. Yeah. Yes, they just bought the studio. The key. They just bought the studio there and like 300 extra acres. So that wouldn't be surprising at all. Yeah, maybe one yeah. of our fans can comment. Karina will probably know for sure yeah. too. And a lot of our friends and, and followers of the show here too. They they live in Albuquerque, and a lot of them have done extras and and stuff um, in in the oh, show. So fun. yes, and possibly fun, even some fun. of your episodes. That's very cool. So we'll jump back now to Blazing Gardner's question, and then I'm going to circle over to some audio questions, and we'll come back to more. These are really good questions tonight, um, everyone, and we'll keep them coming for sure. And so there's always been a fun little theory about a, um, you know, Breaking Bad uh, leading into The Walking Dead, and I was a huge Walking Dead fan for many years as well, too. So she's I asked. I didn't know about this. I didn't know. I didn't know this. Neither did I. But continue, please. I'm fascinated. No problem. Uh, so she says there are theories connecting. The uh, better call. Oh, it jumped on me. Just one second. Uh, sorry, it just jumped really quick. There are theories connecting uh, the Better Call Saul and Walking Dead universe. So, how would Betsy and Craig do in a zombie apocalypse? Oh, Betsy! <laughs> Betsy's alive and running some kind of camp and charging people for it. I mean, <laughs> I can right? see that. Betsy's running. What? What? What is it? I can't remember what season it was. There was a season where there was this utopia kind of uh, walking dead place where they got put in it they got put in a train car it, the, the train terminus, car came back. terminus yeah thank you terminus yeah they, i betsy would be running somewhere like terminus she'd be like everything's great here isn't it pretty he has to die like yeah, yeah. and now craig how would you fare uh how would craig fare if uh, fare in that I think Craig would pretty much be a zombie pretty quick. (laughs) (laughs) He would relate to the zombie and want to like make friends or something. I would, I would think, yeah, I would go out to try to help someone. And I mean, maybe Betsy could keep you alive for a while. That's true. I think she would remove the gums, the teeth. Do you take the teeth out? So you couldn't, you couldn't bite her and she'd just keep you around and you just be, Oh, you mean as a zombie? Oh, that's sweet. Yep. And you just agree to everything like it. Like Craig always does. That's a good idea. Yes, dear, nodding your head. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a little bit of grunt here and there. And a, Craig, a Craig zombie. Yeah, so that was a very good question. 
So we will now jump over to the audio questions. We have three that are sent in from voicemail and we have uh, our first one here is from Karina, our co-executive producer. She always has great questions. And I forget if this is to both of you or individually. So let's find out right now. Hi, Julie and Jeremy. Welcome back. This is Karina. My question for both of you is where do you see Craig and Betsy when they are elderly? Still grifting or running scams? Assuming they're not in jail, that is. Good one. Jeremy? Yes, I think running scams for sure. In the old folks' home, right? Maybe in our old folks' home. We'd be running scams in the old folks' home, sure. Yeah. I mean, they all got jewelry. jewelry Yeah, sure, sure. Sure, 100%. It's it's once a grifter, always a grifter, I would say. It's probably hard for us to let it go. You know, you see opportunities, not not grifting, but you know what I mean. Just opportunities to, to move forward. Yes, to, to, to better ourselves. To better ourselves. And I, our situation, right. I wonder if we didn't even know. Maybe maybe we don't know this. Maybe Betsy and Craig are behind the overcharging and sandpaper. Maybe they're kind of working behind the scenes on that and overcharging for jello and paper. I mean, and that co- wouldn't be them in their old age. That would be like a world they could move into running mm-hmm. a bunch of like... Yeah, if it, it, if it turned out that we did, we made, we cooked their books for them, that seems possible. Yeah, there that does seem entirely possible. Yes. Good one. No, that was a very good yes. question as well, too. Yes. This one is coming from, I believe this is from Rugava. Rugava also has some great questions, and I think this is for both of you. Let's listen to what he has to ask. Hi, Julie. Hi, Jeremy. I'm Raghava. Firstly, let me just tell you that I absolutely love every single scene you both are in. If I had to pick one favorite scene, that would be from the episode titled Carrot and Stick, where you share the screen with both Bob and Ray. My question for Julie, are you an actor who believes that rehearsals are a must before going for a shoot? Or do you believe that there's some magic going in right for the take? Question for Jeremy. I love the scene where when you talk to Cliff about Howard, you're shaking a sugar packet, which kind of reminds Cliff and the audience about the cocaine packet that fell off of Howard's locker. Was this written in the script or was it something that you improvised? Okay, we'll start with you, Julie. Um, I am an actor that believes rehearsal leads to magic. Um, so I'm going to say both of those things. I, I very much like rehearsal. I've worked with and without it both on television and in films, but I very much think that everyone kind of benefits from it. And for me, uh, rehearsal means that the world opens up to spontaneity, spontaneity, which is what leads to that kind of behavioral magic that you're talking about. Um, for me, the only way there is rehearsal. Yeah. Okay. And for Jeremy with the, uh, the sugar packet. And that's a great question. I, and, uh, and I hadn't really thought of the, of the, of the cocaine packet, but the whole thing with the coffee and the sugar and stuff was Vince wanted to bring back in the, uh, um, Craig's Craig's inability, no uh, Craig's inability to get coffee. Um, from the one episode where I try to get coffee and um, my wife Episode seven from Loyola's Diner, what you were talking about earlier, right? Yeah. Um, So I was shaking it, just like getting ready to drink my coffee. I was giving myself stuff to do before I finally got to get my coffee. And then by the time I'm about to get my coffee, we're leaving. And I didn't realize that we were going to leave and I didn't get my coffee. I did, uh, I did, I did suggest that we use stevia and, Vince thought it was one, one too many things. Too far. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> A little too close to home. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. 
That's good. We have our third and final audio question, and this one's from Paul Shiro. You recognize him with that deep, sexy voice at the st- uh, start of the show. He's a voice of our show. He's actually an NHL announcer as well, too. You'll be able to oh, tell, wow. tell by the uh, his voice here in a second, but here is his question. Hello, Juliana Jeremy. Ooh. My name is Paul, and I live in Phoenix, Arizona. It is great to have both of you back on the show. I always thought that we were not done with the Kettlemans, and I was so <laughs> stoked to see the reappearance of of Albuquerque's first family of fraud. But my question is for Craig and Betsy, and that is if Craig and Betsy could have a redo on the initial embezzlement scam, what might they do differently? And thanks again for coming back to Inside the Gilliverse. And of course, thank you again for coming back to Better Call Saul. Be well. Well, first of all, Paul is a gorgeous voice. I love Paul's voice. He does. gorgeous. Yeah. He does. Well, I know what I would do differently, but what would you do differently, Mr. K? Well, I would obviously first ask you what we should do differently. <laughs> well, I would tell you we should not hire that shystery Jimmy McGill. Like that was, he introduced us to the nasty ponytail lady. And that was, that was <laughs> where, that was the slippery slope. That was how it all went wrong for us. I mean, yeah. obviously our hiding our hidey hole was foolproof mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, everything was going fine until we hired that, that Jimmy McGill. Character. Yeah. I think we should probably shouldn't have kept the money in the house in our house. Yeah. Well, but where would we keep it? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you can't just bu- put it in a hole and bury it. Well, just, just outside looking in, you know, just from like a thousand feet up above looking, what about maybe not stealing the money? That's oh ridiculous. no, that's not an option. <laughs> that's not that's not an option that's in not the world. Option. No, that's <laughs> an not. option. Okay, we could have hit it in the boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No yeah. One looks that boat. Then what if someone hit, like jacked the boat? What if someone listen to me with they're throwing the lingo around? What mm-hmm. if what if someone stole the boat? The boat. Yeah, I'm not sure if the boat had like one like a small toilet or a porta potty type deal, whatever. But underneath that, somehow, that'd be the best place to hide it. No one would ever think to look in the boat, and especially under the yeah, uh, maybe yeah, maybe yeah. Although I don't think it was that they found the money was the problem. I think the the problem <laughs> in Betsy's mind anyway was the lawyers who insisted on a plea deal. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. that means that's guilty. her sticking point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you don't want to be you're not guilty, not guilty. No. And and look at look off. I mean, look further into into uh, Better Call Saul and further seasons. I mean, they get Lalo. It gets Lalo off, or not? It doesn't get him. Uh, he get doesn't get him off of it, but he gets him on bail, right? Well, he For, gets better at representing criminals, right? He he, he gets be- like like Jimmy slash Saul evolves yeah, in, in yeah. his representation of criminals. Although even in season one, he gets Nacho out of jail. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, so like, I, I mean, he didn't, he could work his magic for him, but not for us. I'm just saying like, if we, if we, if we had yeah. come upon him at this point in, in uh, his career, he would have, it would have been an easy case for him. He would have known what to do with yeah, him. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, that was the so, question I was going to ask you uh, and later in the program. Terrible just, timing on our part. We just met him at the wrong time. Yeah, the the Breaking Bad Saul Goodman would be, you guys wouldn't even see a, a second in, in, yeah. in the courtroom. That's, that's yeah, the whole been, thing. That's it, Our timing was off. That's yeah. all. Our that's, that's, off. that's all that's it was. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or we should have just found a more criminal lawyer. That's right. That's right. Right. Here, right. We weren't looking. We were looking for a lawyer that covers innocent people and we should have been looking for a criminal lawyer. A criminal yeah. lawyer, that's yeah. right. Even though we were innocent, we should have found a lawyer for guilty people. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. 
Here's a question that's already been answered, but I was going to mention it from White Wolf uh, 496. When did you find out you're coming back for season six? We talked about that back when uh, Julianne and Jeremy were coming on the show in character back um, back in season two, I think it was. Might have been, yeah, it's, it's no, season one, I think it was. So a good year and a half ago. Um, and this is a question from Louise. This is our, our friend Eamon's better half. If Lala was tracking you down and you were tent living, what would have been your last cooked camping meal? Oh. Goodness, that is so very specific. Do you do you camp, Jeremy? I camp. I camped when I was younger, but yeah. So, what's your camping go to? Um, it depends on how big of a hike we're gonna take. But um, well, if Lalo's tracking us down, we're gonna have to. We're gonna have to. We're like on the move, right? Yeah, for a long. Yeah, time. but Betsy would. Are the kids with us? If the kids were with us, she'd still want like a full meal. So, like, we have like camp potatoes we cook in a cast iron skillet on the fire and. Um, hamburgers and stuff or sometimes we just go straight up for like hamburger helper or something like if we're on the run maybe we want a carbo load so we want a carb load so that we can like spaghetti night maybe spaghetti night yeah spaghetti night's probably a good idea that's also like a one pot thing like you could do that quick yeah yeah Yeah, that would work yeah 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 yeah. Yeah. but basically if Lala's chasing you you're in trouble I think so yeah 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 he's good that's a guy you don't want off to you. That's for sure. That's I mean. He, I don't know if he's good so much as he's just willing persistent. to do anything. He's just persistent. To do anything. Persistent is yeah. a great is a key word there. Yeah. yeah, goes over to Germany. He's back. I mean, holy cow! That was, he kind of gives Betsy a run for her money with no scruples, right? Like he's just willing to just whatever. I th- I think there's yeah. probably only two women in the world that could yell at him and to basically tell him whatever they want. And Kim Wexler is one, and Betsy is the other. I don't think any other woman would stand a chance. Uh, oh, I think he would shoot Betsy in about five seconds. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think probably right. I don't think Betsy could stop herself from criticizing him, and he would just shoot her in the head. Yeah, I but Craig, Craig would come to the rescue, wouldn't he? Uh, yeah, I would. Exactly. <laughs> and then he would it. also get shot. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Double homicide. Yes. Double yes. homicide. Cat uh, Hubbard is asking: Did Craig ever get that cup of coffee? Uh, I do. I drink a, I drink a sip of coffee in the American greed. Yes. Okay. There you go. That's good. Yes. That's good. And as yes. I said on the, in, in the podcast, it turns out that Craig doesn't like coffee. It was my first <laughs> sip ever and I hated it. I don't know what everyone's talking about. That's, that's awesome. This is a question from Ursula. Uh, who does Betsy dislike more Saul or Kim? Kim. Ooh. I can Kim. see that too. I can see that too. Yeah. I mean, I think I get, I get the opportunity. She gets the opportunity to show it to Saul more, but does she, for some, she just hates Kim. Yeah. Kim forced us to say that we were guilty and that's that there's, there's no worse, uh, there, there's, there's no worse crime in Betsy's head than that. Well, look at it, the carrot and stick. I mean, proverbial, yeah. the way they, they launched, they, they launched that softball or hardball. Right. And Kim came in with the stick. And yeah. Jimmy was going in pretty soft, you know, was going to play things a little safe. I think Betsy thinks she still thinks that she can play Jimmy, like that she can game him. Right. Like she thinks he's manipulatable. Maybe she thinks men are just more easily manipulated than women. I don't know. Maybe. They are, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Here's a good question from Kevin Primus says, do you think the Kettleman's pivoted from sweet Liberty to some other scam between their way a uh, real threat from Kim Wexler and their appearance on American Greed. Well, I mean, I think that would depend on if we moved, right? Well, we've discussed that we think we probably moved and changed yeah. our names. Yeah. 
I think the tax. Do we think that? Do we think American greed happened before we moved, or do we move after American greed? Yeah, I'm not sure where American greed fit in. Yeah, they would have to have tracked us down. That would be post um, Gene, right? That would be post Cinnabon. That would be right. right, American greed would be post all of that because the whole American greed thing is where is Jimmy McGill, right? Right. So we didn't change our name yet because they found us to do American greed. Yes, that's right. Because how would they track us down? Because we're masterminds. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Well, they use our name on American Greed. That's, right. That's I, true. That's true. And we show our faces on camera. Yeah. 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 Not none of this uh, witness relocation. So, and we, no got, we, got, we got TV famous on American Greed. We did. That's yeah. true. That's yeah. True. They didn't yeah, use Paul. Maybe. They didn't use Paul's voice to, to doctor up, uh, you know, uh, Craig's voice and be, uh, you know, witness relocation and a, a right. dark scene and blurred out. Yeah, that would have been perfect. Right. But I got yeah. to see you. Yeah. Um, here is a good question as well, too, from uh, Lazy Gardner. She has a second follow-up one. She says, "Is if the Kettlemans had their own soundtrack, what songs would be on it? Love it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt. Yes. Someone on Twitter today, maybe by the some, way. Maybe some, like, up with people stuff, you know? Like, right. I feel like they're, they're stuck in a in a uh, entertainment uh, time period that is not of their own. Like... They're stuck in kind of right. maybe some Lawrence Welk. Yeah, like okay. Glenn, the Glenn Miller. Yeah, some Glenn. Oh, yeah, some Glenn Miller. Yeah. They like yeah, to sure. dance. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. You're bringing yeah. back my childhood here. My mom would play that stuff all the time. So. Oh, really? I think, I think they're stuck in a different sort of time. Yeah, I feel like it's like yeah. Betsy doesn't like the rock and roll music. It, yeah, probably not. It it, it leads to uh, it, it it's it leads the, to it, drugs and it, yeah, it leads to bad things. It le- it's, yeah. it's a bad influence on the kids. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. I, I could see that yeah. for sure. Did did either of the two of you ever foresee this fandom of the Kellermans? Like, I mean, it's it's crazy. Oh, no. no, no. Did you foresee it, Jeremy? Yes. No, <laughs> no, not at all. But no, I do, I do just... know that they're great. I do know that they're great characters, and they're, um, you know. But we were just recurring on season one, you know, like we popped in for four episodes of season one, yeah. and uh, uh, and then it seemed like we were going to disappear forever. Like it just didn't. I was really um, surprised by all of it when season one came out. You know, there was a day um, when. Um, Deborah Birnbaum, who used to be the feature writer at Variety, uh, she came to visit set during the shooting for season one. And she was at one of those, I think it was the episode seven scene at Loyola's at the diner. Um, She was on a set visit and she was there to interview Bob. And uh, she was the first one who said to the producer, she's like, who are those people? Um, and I think that was the first inkling on the show that they're like, um, this, this might be a thing. And then she asked, um, I did a short interview with her, but she asked if she could be the person to break our casting announcement. And I don't know that they had even considered doing a casting announcement. Um, but that I think was maybe the beginning I know that's when the Melissa Bernstein looked at me and she goes, I think the Kettleman's, this is the year of the Kettleman's. I think the Kettleman's are going to be a thing. So, but I don't know. I certainly hadn't considered it. I don't know that the show had necessarily considered it before then. We were all just trying to make a TV show. Like not, not everybody thought it was a good idea to do a Breaking Bad prequel, you know, like 
everybody was just trying to survive the first season, right? Mm -hmm. Just trying to make something as good as possible that was that would be acceptable out in the world. Yeah. And look where it's come. It's insane. It is, and I I, I see your fans online. I mean, it's it's absolutely amazing. I love the Kettleheads. They're so sweet and lovely. I love them so much. (laughs) They're big time supportive. I mean, there's a lot of love. There's no doubt about it. I just love reading the comments and seeing the memes that people make, and you know, it's it's good. Yeah, the art that people make. Nice. It makes my heart so happy. Thank you. Yeah, that'll live forever. In the cesspool, it can sometimes be the internet. Thank you for being a bright spot. Yes, we need that. We need a little bit of a bright spot. Yeah, yeah, we do for sure. It just, I mean, I, the Kettlemans are criminals, but they're but there's uh, something nice about them. Lovable, they're, they're lovable, lovable, lovable. criminals. Lovable, yes, yeah. that's right. Well, before yeah. we wrap up, we just have one more minute here as well, too. Um, a lot of people anticipated, you know, well, Craig went to jail, obviously, but I mean, if the Kettlemans continue their their ways, they might have, end up in jail. But let's talk about another character just for a moment. This is just hypothesizing. I know neither of you know advanced scripts and what's going on. A lot of times, you don't even know until the you know almost before shooting you what's going to happen to your character and the same with a lot of other characters as well too but there's a lot of fan theories that see because we don't a lot of people don't think kim's going to die and and i certainly don't want to see kim die one of my theories is that we will see her behind bars um especially what's happened uh, as of late um i'm curious just as a fan for either of you we'll start with julianne first what do you foresee or can would you hope for or whatever for the future or fate of kim wexler you know, it's hard for me because because we were there for season one, we really became friends with everybody, right? So it's hard for me to separate a fan theory uh, for Kim from Ray. So I want to see Ray there all the way to the very end. I think she's brilliant on the show. She deserves an Emmy. I think she has brought so many layers to Kim that I don't want to see that end. But I will say this. I think to... I think Kim is, well, I, I think Mike said it, what, in episode four this season? She's made of sterner stuff than anybody thought. Like, I think if you're if you're worried about her, you might be looking in the wrong place. I know nothing. I know zero amounts of zero about any of it. But I, I, I just think she's, I don't know. She, I think she's, she's interesting. And, you know, I think it... I think these writers don't like to be predict- predictable. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, it, during season one, everyone was going, oh, Kim Wexler's going to die because she's not around. So I don't know that these, I, I, I think whatever happens, it will be surprising and shocking. And we've seen, I just talked about this over on Pete Pepper's show the other night on his channel, and there's been two major deaths already. Oh my God, Patrick, uh, you, uh, Howard Hamlin's death was shocking to me. That Absolutely was shocking. Yeah. That was insane. Yeah. I, I, was, watched- I, 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 I couldn't believe they did it. I was shocked. Like, absolutely flabbergasted. Um, and I, frankly, I was surprised that Nacho was gone in episode three. I know. Like, I, I could see Nacho getting killed this season, mm-hmm. but I did, did not predict it so early so i i think whatever you think is going to happen is probably not how it's going to go down sleight of hand smoke and mirror something you know misdirection yeah. right yeah. yeah and and jeremy your thoughts as well too um what are your thoughts on that yeah i actually think i mean it's i i, I think about it because um i started watching breaking bad again when i was up in i was up in toronto shooting something and i was just in the hotel and i was like I'm going to start watching Breaking Bad because, you know, as 
Better Call Saul is starting to come to an end. I want to see how it's going to transition, you know, like yeah. everyone is, how yeah. it's going to like feather in, you know? Yeah. So I wanted to just sort of re- be reminded. And I was, and by the time when Saul comes in, he does seem sort of single. And um, so I was sort of wondering, but I wonder if there's a way that. But he talks about his ex in Breaking Bad, right? He doesn't yeah. talk about. He says he has two ex-wives, yeah. doesn't he? Right, right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I don't know I, either, I mean, but you know, the Kettleman's but... aren't in Breaking. There's a lot of characters that are in Better Call Saul that are not in Breaking Bad that are not necessarily dead during that. No, no. Yeah, no, I don't think she's, I don't think she's going to die. No, I don't think so either. I, I, and I hope I, as you guys, especially too, I mean, being friends, obviously you really want to see that go all the way through. Um, but I, I don't think so. They've already killed two major characters. I mean, no one, no one has plot armor other than um, uh, Bob Odenkirk himself. I mean, Saul right. Goodman, Jimmy McGill. I mean, he has to be there, right? But um, I'd like to see, I'd like to see Kim show up in uh, in Omaha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed, and we're going to be there sooner than we th- sooner than we think. I mean, everyone's complaining it's going to be you know to July 11th whenever it starts again. It seems like it's forever, but it's going to be here fast, and we're going to be done again. It's going to be here in what five weeks? I and, know, I and know. and then like that, these seven episodes went by in a minute, they like did. just in a heartbeat. I, know. I think the same is going to be true of the final six, it's especially because they're going to be the final one. So it's going to go yeah. really fast, and it's going to be know. sad. I, I I asked this question the other night on, on the show, and I've asked this a couple of times. Do you guys ever watch anything? I mean, not, not just Better Call Saul, but any, any of the things that you, either you've been in or just shows that you like. Do you ever pause it to see how much time is left in the episode? I'm curious if oh, you yeah, do sure. that. Do you do that? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. and you hope that there's more than there is. Yeah, so you got like, you see yeah. this little line left, you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a sign. That's a sign of really good writing, right? It's, it's a sign of good filmmaking. Good. Yeah. I'm I'm glad I asked you guys that. I'm glad that you both do yeah. it because I do it, and then I get mad sometimes. Just like, oh no, because then you know there's either a cliffhanger or else. Well, the the episode with Howard that I did that that night, I paused oh for a God. second and I was like, oh my God, like what's going to happen here? And then that, that I watched that scene back just the last like milliseconds of it about twenty times, and each single single time I saw it, I was just as shocked, if not more. Right. It was really well done, and Tom did a great job directing it. I mean, it was really well put together Incredible. in a lovely, lovely Incredible. way. But this goes to something we talked about on uh, the Insider Podcast with Vince. Like, I really thought the Kettleman's appearance in Episode 2 was going to leak before it came out. And um, and it didn't really. I mean, eh, there might have been a, like a little drip, mm-hmm. but it didn't really. And I was shocked that they were able to keep that secret and like my team wasn't necessarily thrilled with that decision uh for them to keep us under wraps but it was absolutely the right thing to do because i was on twitter that night and the excitement that happened when we showed up uh was huge and i think that's going to be true over and over again in the upcoming episodes that the excitement of who's going to show up so don't spoiler it for people if you can help it no for Um, sure don't and and I think we think we want to know things. We think we want that episode to last longer, but in a storytelling way, if it lasted longer, it wouldn't be as tense. Like mm-hmm. when you hit that pause button, you're like, "Oh, there's only two minutes left." But if there was half an hour left, it would be a different kind of storytelling, right? So, like, I think I think sometimes I think Vince and Peter are very wise about knowing. Um, the difference between what fans say they want and what they actually want. Like, they want to be surprised, right? They want to be shocked. They don't want to actually know. Um, so, you know, if you can help it, don't spoil their stuff, right? Agree. I agree. That's my 
public I, service announcement. For I agree hundred percent on that too. It's like, sometimes you yeah. want to know, and then you're, you're just, you find out and you're just devastated. So look, yeah. experience it in the real world, the real time, like all of us do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. we are at the 10 o'clock hour, just a little bit past. I want to thank both of you again. Um, well, 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. I want to thank you both. It's been wonderful to catch up with you. I always look forward to it. You guys are just the best to talk to and you've been very supportive of everything I do here and we do our team here. Thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been fantastic. Uh, thank, thank you for you, having Eric. us back. Thank you for having us yeah. back as us. Yes. Yeah. I know no pressure this yeah. time. And I, I know we can always jump into Betsy and Craig, uh, you know, in character, but it's nice to have you back as you big fans of everything that you do. And, uh, you come in either of you coming back up the Toronto way, Jeremy you said you were filming in Toronto, anything up this way in the, in, in the remainder of this year? No, no, nothing. Eh? I yeah. Staying down, staying down here. Oh. I was in Toronto for six months last year. Okay. Uh, yeah, but um, and that'll be coming out soon. But um, oh, good, good. Yeah. I love Toronto. Toronto in the summer is just amazing. It's so gorgeous. I think we arrived the first of May, and we were there for six months, and it was beautiful. Oh, fantastic! So Bought bikes, rode by the lake all the time. It was great. Yeah, it is beautiful. That's where my better half is located in the GTA up there. I love it. I frequent there a lot. So it's beautiful. Yeah, Getting very, beautiful. very nice. Well, I just want to say a big thank you, obviously, to both of you and to our show sponsors, Warren, Rachel, and everyone at bobbleheads.com. They make those cool bobbleheads. You can see somewhere back behind me here. Those are very, very cool. It'd be very nice to see a Betsy and Craig. Uh, that'd be very cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, that if cool. that happened, I would, you know, I would shell out some cash for that. I was going to say, I, yeah. I would support it just. I would myself. shell out some some real cash for that. Yeah. Well, there's a bag of money later on here somewhere i mean exactly. maybe i did make off with a duffel bag maybe <laughs> so warren if you're listening which i know you are betsy and craig i'm thinking that would look pretty good in the shop bobbleheads.com i think it'd be great i want to thank <laughs> i want to thank uh, karina our co-executive producer uh, and all her fantastic moderator team jen renata and eman thank you so much for everything that uh, you could do to make this show uh, happen and thanks to our subscribers if you're new here uh, just tuning in tonight please consider hitting that subscribe button down below and we will work just as hard to keep you as a subscriber as we did to get you and i hope everyone has a fantastic weekend and be safe out there and we'll look forward to seeing you next friday night right here at inside the gilvers and uh, we'll say goodbye to julianne and jeremy and guys Bye. i'll say goodbye Bye. to you off Thanks, the air Eric. all right we'll say goodbye to you off the air. everyone Bye, talk to you soon. cheers Thanks again for tuning into Inside the Gillivers with Eric Broadbent. Be sure to check back each week for more great discussions and interviews with cast and crew from Breaking Bad, El Camino, and Better Call Saul. 